Welcome to Betrayal Trauma SOS, the podcast where we explore various ways to heal from some of life's greatest wounds. I'm your host, Jenny Brockbank, and I share my own personal experiences of betrayal and healing. In this episode, I'll share my own personal story along with some basics of betrayal trauma and what that might look like for you. Let's heal together. Welcome, my name is Jenny Brockbank, and I thank you for being here. Sometimes even listening to something like this is a really brave thing to do. I recognize that, I'm honored to have you join me. Before we begin today, I wanna say that this isn't therapy and I'm not a therapist. I'm sharing my own personal experiences, but please don't take it as professional advice. I'll begin today by setting the stage for what I'm hoping to accomplish with the Betrayal Trauma SOS podcast. I have three goals and most everything I do on this podcast should fit into one or multiple of these categories. My first goal is this, it's to let others know what I desperately needed to hear when I began recovery. And it's this, you are not alone. In truth, I still need to hear that. I still need to know that and the others get what I'm going through. It's so misunderstood sometimes and it's a very isolating place to be. When I began my own recovery from betrayal trauma, I had lived in isolation for 17 and a half years. I know how painful isolation can be firsthand and I want others to know that they aren't alone. I'll tackle that by being vulnerable with my own story and inviting others to share their recovery stories as well. The idea of others living in isolation as I once did, and I know there are some out there, is nearly unbearable for me to think about. This is my way of letting anyone who is listening know what I desperately needed to hear. You are not alone. Second, oftentimes a spouse with an addiction is very invested in making sure their secret is kept from everyone. This was certainly true in my situation. So the betrayed spouse often feels crazy and like no one sees what is going on. The addicted spouse often has a severe amount of denial in the mix as well and doesn't always recognize that their behavior is harmful to others. And sometimes it is actually intentionally harmful behavior that they engage in. So what I desperately needed to hear and what I want to share with anyone who's listening that it might help is that what you're experiencing is normal. Your your emotions, whether they be um, extreme or maybe numb, whatever you're experiencing, it is a normal reaction. You are seen. And my third goal with Betrayal Trauma SOS is to share resources, so many resources. My life changed when I realized that I had tools that would help me both heal and to help protect from further damage. I was no longer a victim without options. I plan to share resources that have helped me, but also I'm still on my own journey for healing and I'm searching out more. So as I do that, I'll share those as well. And also, if you have resources to share with me, please just know I'm on this journey too. We're all healing, hopefully we're healing together. I found that my recovery fit is different than anyone else's. So my goal is to help others find a fit that works for them. 
And I'll do that by just giving tons and tons of resources and others can pick and choose as to what works for them. I want to start by explaining why I would share something so vulnerable as healing from damage that has roots in my husband's sex addiction in this open way. I was once in a meeting at church and there was a lovely young woman presenting. And as she did so, she shared her journey with alcoholism. She shared about um, how hard it had been, how she almost lost everything, what a mess she was. And it was so hopeful for me to see this woman who had described herself as broken and and not doing well, you know, and, and having lost almost everything to a woman that was lovely and thriving and and living a good and healthy and happy life. After that meeting, I thanked her for her vulnerability and will always remember her response. She said, quote, the more I speak my shame, the less power it has over me, close quote. That resonated so strongly with me, and I believe it with all my heart. That doesn't mean that others have to share with the world that what they're struggling with, like I am in a podcast, but I do feel strongly and am divinely guided that this is the path for myself. For today, I'm going to start with my first goal, and that's letting you know that you aren't alone. And I'll do it by sharing my own story. So if you're listening today, I'm assuming that you have experienced or are currently experiencing betrayal trauma. My story may sound worse or less severe than what you may have experienced or be experiencing. I'm not sharing my story today so that we can compare notes with each other about whose is worse or better. That's definitely not the point. For me personally, I have been in groups where we share our stories. I understand that's like a really sacred thing to participate with other people in. But the results are that people don't feel isolated. They can see other people are struggling with similar things. And for me personally, it did help with, with all of that and so much more. So you aren't alone. And this is my story. My story begins with a little bit of a foreword, and here it is. I want to start my story by thanking my husband, who is both currently sober and working his own recovery. Um, it's because of his support that I can do this. It's because he's willing to be vulnerable with others. He's more invested in their healing um, than he is about his own privacy. I consider it a gift to both me and to you. Just want to thank him for that. He and I join in the desire to make the path of recovery easier for others. I first found out that my husband had been looking at pornography nine months into our marriage. At that point, I had no idea that it had started at the age of eight. I remember thinking that I was hurt, but it was not a big deal. And I said to him, I love you. I forgive you. Go talk to the bishop, who's our ecclesiastical leader, and don't do it again. And every few years, I would find physical evidence of porn, but had no clue as to the extent of what I was dealing with. I was more focused on the things that were coming out sideways, and I would wonder if porn was at the root, but he would always say no. I've sat in enough recovery meetings to know that every addict is somewhat different in these sideways behaviors. But this is my story, so to name a few for my husband, there was lots of unexplained anger. Sometimes it was rage, sometimes silence where he would just give me the silent treatment, 
Um, he wouldn't really work through problems with me, and I would feel emotionally and physically abandoned. Employment and finances were a huge issue. We have six children, so trauma and distress over financial things is really big for me. Every few years, I would find porn, but I had no idea as to the extent of his use. About six years ago, I was praying in sheer desperation, and I had a really powerful experience in prayer where I was told that my husband was struggling with inappropriate thoughts. At that point, my husband had turned to his addiction so completely that he was more like livid all of the time, and any efforts that I made to say that there was a problem were turned around on me to make it look and feel like it was my fault. This time, he could not convince me that it was all me because God had told me the root issue. And so I remember calmly saying to him, I know what the problem is. You're having inappropriate thoughts. Being with you for eternity is my greatest dream. Please fix this. And then we went like another two days where he, he didn't speak to me at all. At this point, I had no ideas to the extent of what was going on, the frequency, the severity. This was before I had any tools or any recovery. To his credit, my husband did go to therapy, but unfortunately, that therapist did more harm than good. He basically shamed him into sobriety, and after 12 sessions told him that he was cured from his sex addiction, which he had struggled with for over 25 years at that point. My husband at that point actually did go two years sober, but sobriety isn't the only goal. Life was pretty brutal because he was basically what they call a dry drunk, meaning that he was white knuckling his way through but didn't have tools to handle emotions or difficult experiences. Basically, all of his sideways behaviors were present and oftentimes more severe because he didn't have his addiction or his unhealthy coping mechanism to turn to. The root issues hadn't been addressed. A couple of years later, he actually went through an experience where he cut his finger and it caused both sepsis and an abscess on his spine. He actually almost died from this experience and it made it so that he couldn't work for quite a while. During this period, he turned back to his addiction as his unhealthy coping mechanism. For me, I had no clue as to what was going on. Our finances were in shambles. My husband was a wreck our children were hurting every bit as much or more than my husband and I were. My husband was again really angry, rageful. I felt very abandoned by him. I couldn't figure out why. I remember about 17 and a half years into our marriage and praying in sheer desperation. I said something like, Heavenly Father, I will do anything to make this better. I will attend therapy in 12-step meetings. I will do anything. As soon as the words came out of my mouth, I thought, I don't even really know if it's addiction. I don't know that that's the problem. But I think I really did know internally. I think there was just so much denial in the mix because those words actually did come out of my mouth. As soon as I had prayed that prayer, I had this strong impression that help was now on its way. Up to that point, I had no idea that I needed help that I needed tools, that I needed some kind of recovery. I just thought he needs to be fixed. So I got up my courage and I called my friend who had been in her own recovery for several years. 
and she really challenged my thinking about things like how I felt trapped in an emotionally abusive marriage because of my marriage covenant. She challenged my ideas regarding boundaries and taught me things that opened my mind. I remember telling her that I had heard not great things about the addiction recovery program um, that's run by our church, and she encouraged me that if I found an unhealthy group, to go find another one. How thankful I am that she kindly stood toe-to-toe with me and spoke truth about how severe addiction really is. And at that moment, denial started to fall away. I came to learn that I needed more tools to fight for my family, my husband, but ultimately myself in a healthy way this time. After that life-changing conversation with my dear friend, I took a deep breath for courage and I entered the doors of recovery. I began my recovery with the addiction recovery program that is run by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I attended there for approximately two and a half years. Simultaneously, I tried a couple of therapists who weren't good fits and had to learn the hard way, just like my husband had, that it's better to get specialized help for both addiction and betrayal trauma. From members in my ARP group, I eventually found my therapist fit, and I joined an intense and life-changing group therapy program. My life has never been the same since. I went from being completely isolated to having a warm and welcoming community who really got it. I went from being powerless to having options. I learned that what I was experiencing was normal and that I was experiencing betrayal trauma which accompanies PTSD-type symptoms. I learned about and started using boundaries, which completely transformed my life. I started to care about and really take care of myself. I have begun facing myself in the mirror and seeing where I can do better while still loving myself. Because my husband was also working his own recovery, I was able to learn my reality of how severe and all-encompassing his addiction was, which help me make better choices and set better boundaries. After living for 17 and a half years in isolation, hope and healing began to happen. What was once my greatest heartache has turned into the vehicle to obtain some of my greatest gifts. The gifts of recovery are immense. I keep searching out and finding more and I never want to go back. While I wish betrayal on no one, I do wish that everyone could experience recovery. It is such a gift in my life. I also want to add that while I'm really blessed that my husband is working his own recovery and he's making great strides there, not everybody's spouses do that. Not everyone's partners really work a recovery. I had to really work through the process to come to figure out that I had no control over what my husband chose, but... I would be okay no matter what he chose. And I just want other people to hear me say this. My husband's recovery is not because of me. So if if other people are in a relationship with someone who is not recovering, this is not your fault. In the end, we have no power over their choices. I'm not speaking with you today as this completely healed individual. I still suffer from episodes of trauma, and I can tell from some of my responses that I'm not whole yet. I'm improving, I have found many things that help, and I am still searching for more tools. 
I'm basically sharing what I've learned and inviting you to join me in my search for more. What about you? What does your story look like? Are you suffering from what you might consider to be extreme emotions, numbing behaviors, depression, anxiety, or fight, flight, or freeze? I want you to know the following. Your emotions or lack of emotions are completely normal, and there are tools available to help with what you are experiencing. I am truly sorry that you understand some of life's greatest heartaches. I am certain that betrayal was never a part of your fairy tale, as it was never a part of mine either. I want you to know this. Your heart can beat again. Before we part today, I want to offer something that you might consider a meditation or perhaps just comfort and warmth. Sometime later, we will go into more detail about why meditation, mindfulness, that kind of stuff can really help with trauma. But for today, I just want you to know that when our minds are racing and when our bodies want to flee, there's real power in saying, we're going to sit still. For me, in the stillness is where I have found the greatest healing. So, for many of my episodes, I plan to incorporate meditation. If possible, I invite you to come to a seated position with a quiet atmosphere. I sometimes retreat to my closet for similar experiences. If it feels safe, close your eyes. I invite you to focus on your breathing. Just notice it at first. I invite you to take a deep breath in and then a long exhale. If it feels safe, continue this pattern of breathing. In a moment, I'll invite you to take a deep breath in, and as you do so, imagine that you're breathing in love. Imagine the love breath going to the tight and painful places in your body. Perhaps that's your wounded heart. Perhaps you might feel knots in your muscles or a tightness in your stomach. With each breath in, invite it to gently warm the tight and painful spots and to relax and soften the areas. With each long exhale, I invite you to breathe out the stress, breathe out the pain. Imagine pain leaving your body. Can you imagine pain leaving your body? As you continue to breathe in love and warmth and breathe out pain, I am asking for permission to speak to you, to tell your heart something. You are not alone. What you are experiencing is normal. What you have been through is quite possibly some of the hardest things 
you will ever experience. Your healing is important. You are so valuable and are worth the time and resources to heal. I invite you to slowly open your eyes. Thank you for being here. Episode 2 of the Betrayal Trauma SOS Podcast will go into more details about betrayal trauma and why you might be experiencing things like intrusive thoughts that might be on a loop in your brain, lack of sleep, intense amounts of energy, exhaustion, fight, flight, or freeze, and more. In Episode 3, we will discuss a Betrayal Trauma SOS First Aid Kit that can help in times of severe distress. In fact, join us on Facebook where you can enter to win a Betrayal Trauma SOS First Aid Kit. I invite you to subscribe to this podcast, Betrayal Trauma SOS, and to stay tuned to combat isolation. Realize that the intense or even numb emotions you might be experiencing are normal and that there are tools to help. You can find Betrayal Trauma SOS on Facebook, on Instagram, and at BetrayalTraumaSOS.com. Let's heal together.